The bed dipped in the dark as he and the pillows fell to the floor with a soft thud. He turned and I could feel his on my small bed, he said. <laughs> I love it so much. I love it. <laughs> I figured why not start off with the classic trope of all, the one bed. Yes. Uh-oh, what are we gonna do? <laughs> It's one of my favorites. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Dan. (laughs) Do you like my sultry voice that I used just then? Yes, it was very seductive. Thank you so much. My aim is to seduce you. Um, How are you this week? I am... Hot and bothered, but not in a sexy way. Oh, that was <laughs> going to be my next question. <laughs> it is uh, sweltering. Like, yes, over... it is 100 damn degrees. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've got to be in our respective makeshift studios with no air or fans circulating because we don't want the, you know, mics to pick up those sounds. So we are right. losing, um, you know, some bodily fluids over here. I mean. I feel like I am constantly sipping right now, but that's how dedicated we are as audio technicians. That we're just kind of like, you know, we're going to sacrifice ourselves for superior audio quality and thirst buckets. Guess what? You are welcome. (laughs) Yes. Do y'all appreciate what we're doing for you sweltering like this? (laughs) Please say you do. Please. I need this. Please. Uh, Nicole, I'm in exactly the same boat. I am also sweltering in my closet, but also sweltering outside of my closet. It is on. It's, the, it's that point in the in the New York summer where I wish for the sweet release of winter. Mm. Um, it's a lot. Yeah, I would never um, wish for winter, but I definitely need like, I don't know, an outdoor shower or something, you know, where okay. you just kind of. All right, sexy time. <laughs> you know, I just need a little something to cool off with. But also, I mean, I love summer. I love yes. the heat. I typically don't mind it but just because we have to be inside right now Mm. for so much of the summer that's a problem for me you know um i I miss um because i really i don't mind sweating as much as you know wow teasing about it i really don't mind sweating um wow you're in a minority i just gotta (laughs) say because me and Cher are both like shaking our heads like no fuck sweats hate it i'll Uh. slick for no reason no thanks but here we are making lemonade out of the (laughs) terrible summertime lemons and trying to bring you uh, a weekly dose of uh, thirst. So we hope uh, you enjoy as you take a big sip. Nicole, this week we are not looking at a thirst object per se. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We are looking at a, um, you know, a collection of ideas that have taken over um, what we enjoy about a particular genre of literature. Um, yes. We are Come talking on, Professor about. Perkins. <laughs> we are going to talk about the tropes of romance novels. Yes. Right. And a trope is um, a literary term that basically means something that recurs throughout right. a piece. Right. We're going to be talking about the um, you know the things that get us going. The Mm -hmm. things that maybe don't. Um, And um, we're going to talk about what makes a romance novel a romance novel. And I think for many people who listen to our podcast, I think it's quite apparent that both Nicole and I are deeply into romance novels. Um, We talk about it a lot. That's definitely where, you know, so much of our fanfic inspiration is coming from like and as much as we read other genres of Mm -hmm. fiction Mm -hmm. i think romance novels in particular are very dear to both nicole and i and we've been lifelong readers and it's nice sometimes to kind of go back and look at another foundational um uh thing that really kind of helped develop us into the thirst experts that you know and love today (laughs) so i'm excited to talk about romance novels and their many tropes uh, and i hope that you listeners will also enjoy going with us on a journey into literary thirst oh i like that literary thirst thank you nicole
right, now what makes a romance novel a romance novel? Mm, good question, Professor Perkins. Will you enlighten us? Okay, first of all, there has to be a happily ever after or a happy for now, meaning right. that the main couple, if it is a couple, because you know, as we, we've seen as uh, romances have expanded in the last you know, decade or so, that uh, more and more like polyamorous couples, polyamorous uh, relationships are coming um, to light. Right. But for the most part, everyone, regardless of the structure of the relationship, there mm -hmm. has to be a happily ever after, uh, happy for now. Right. So the people get together and they are happy. <laughs> they are all smiles and declarations of love and they're going to work out whatever problems they may have had or their problems have been resolved and they're going to move forward. Right. There's the understanding of a future of some sort. Exactly. Love that. Okay. Another thing that I find necessary, even though, you know, it's kind of fallen out of favor in terms of seeing romance on screen is for me, I always love a meet cute. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I love in a romance novel is trying to, you know, you read the back of a book, you understand that, you know, this person's going to meet this other person or other people. But for me, the core of it, and I will put a book down if the meet cute doesn't meet my exacting standards. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I'm just kind of like, you, you started off on the wrong foot. So for me, the meet cute is also a very important part of a romance novel. I think you have to establish the characters in a way that lets me buy in mm -hmm. as soon as possible. And I feel like if I have to struggle through, you know, the the wheat field of like, where is it? Where is it? It's not gonna be worth it for me in the long run. And I've rarely been stayed wrong on that instinct. Like if the meet cute is trash, the romance tends to be trash following that. So I put a lot of stock in how we go about meeting. I, I might give something a bit of a chance and see if they can kind of salvage it, but I've never read a bad meet cute that turned into a good novel. Oh, interesting, interesting. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so that for me is that for me is part of the the formula for a, for a romance novel has to be yes the h the the happy ever after or the happy for now mm -hmm. plus a really solid instructional smart meet cute. And see, for me, because I tend to like um, you know, okay, so there are a lot of subgenres within romance, right? Right. And so I tend to gravitate towards uh, paranormal romances. I love a thriller. I love mm -hmm. suspense. I I murder mysteries even though i am not into true crime stuff at all like this that's not my thing mm -hmm. i love a murder mystery i love when people get together and they have to solve a crime and mm -hmm. you know one of them becomes imperiled and the other has to save them i love all of that shit so in within those uh subgenres there aren't that many meat cutes a lot of times the uh particularly in thrillers and suspense stuff um the two main characters they're meeting over a corpse or they're meeting but that's what i mean but yeah. that that is a meet cute well, like yes it's, but it's not like it's not like oh no i've dropped my notebook can you help me but, take it out? But, but even those ones aren't like no i see that's the thing for me like the meet cute for me is just the standard first meeting like i don't i don't need it to be cutesy or romantic mm, okay, or like okay. like sweet i just need it to be indicative of the characters i just want to feel as though it's not i don't i don't need it to be super contrived is what i mean uh, okay, like it I doesn't see. have to be like cute in the strictest sense i don't want you to it, i love a coffee shop au obviously mm. love it but i'm not <laughs> here for coffee shop meets only like what i mean by meet you is i need you to establish the characters in a way that i know who they are like i know what they're doing here i know why they're here and the meeting makes sense mm. but i i really hate something that's kind of like belabored and cliche of just i'm like people meet all sorts of ways obviously mm -hmm. but don't just don't just give me like the obvious like super simple sometimes that works but yeah. like just show me show me who these people are in the meet queue so i love when a couple meet over a corpse i mean without <laughs> it where the hell does any procedural romance on tv it doesn't happen like you know everyone knows bones only happen because they were meeting over corpses like that's <laughs> yes. the shit that's like a constant meet cute every week and i was here for it every single time so yes. no what i mean by that is i don't need it to be like cutesy i just need it to make sense in a way okay i got you yes mm -hmm. so yes um and i like usually in those thrillers or there's a, like a big uh subsection of those thrillers where 
the couple have already met before or maybe they were mm. even a couple before and then they have yes. to split up and then they get thrown together again i yes. love that shit like Same. that i love it so unresolved much. tension yeah like something went down the last time we were together and now we've got to work through it so we can solve this case yes put it inject it love it yes second chances i Ooh. love that shit I especially when it. it's like years after yes yes everyone's gone away to mature I, or not <laughs> yes the one the kind that i don't like though is mm. when um you know in in the second chances thing it's when they get together and the woman you know has a child that is no. you know just a, coincidentally the same age as the length of time that they've been apart and the guy is completely stupid and doesn't get that that's his fucking child <laughs> and so Nicole, i ooh. hate those i hate those Every time I see a secret baby, I close the book. <laughs> I'm just like, no need. Absolutely no need. Like, babies are already out here being born every day. We don't have to tack on this. I hate secret baby trope. Hate secret baby. Like, first of all, use a condom, my dude. Like, come <laughs> on. Second of all, why don't you tell him? About and then the excuse is always something. Why don't you tell him? Well, like, I came to your house, but you were with another woman. You looked happy and I didn't want to disrupt your life. And I'm like, fuck you. No, he has a whole kid in the world. Tell him. <laughs> I hate secret baby so much. Every time I, I roll my eyes and then I very theatrically close the tab. Like, no, <laughs> not today. So, okay, we've talked about how we have been reading romance novels since we were children. And so we are well-versed to all these different tropes. Okay. Two of us. I feel like we have, I, 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 you know, I, I'm going to bring, I bring this up because I want to point out something that you wrote, which is actually one of the first pieces of yours that I read in a way that made me feel like i'd read your other like short-term yeah. stuff but this is like the first like long term like like a bigger project of yours yeah and it was a, a kindle single that you wrote i can't remember what year it was oh wow it's been a minute i think yes and it's called romance novels ruined me yeah <laughs> and i thought to myself click i didn't even hesitate i went to kindle straight away i bought it off amazon even though that's you know an evil overlord yes and i put that I put that book into my Kindle and I read it like immediately, which I never do. I always kind of download, go have dinner, you yeah, know, think about yeah. life. But I, I bought it and I read it immediately and I was like, oh my God, yes. Oh my God, yes. And like, <laughs> I feel like we are so inside of romance novels that we could easily kind of turn against it. You know, mm. in a way when you've seen it all. Yeah. And we've been through like several iterations of what is clearly zeitgeisty. Like, you know, we talk a lot about different eras and different heroes that kind of turned up i remember when i was growing up there was a lot of uh arab sheikhs yeah uh and there were also a lot of uh shipping magnets who were either greek or italian or like <sighs> secret princes or like leaders or monarchs of some small principality somewhere and you're mm -hmm. like jesus christ and that really was a thing and i remember also reading a bunch of mills and boone and like temptations and harlequins where it was like a huge thing on like men in uniforms so lots of firefighter mm. lots of police lots of military or navy seals and of course knowing what we know about the uh, prison industrial complex i can't read those anymore right um, yeah. <laughs> but when i was a young one i was like oh my god a cop love it <laughs> <laughs> see i didn't read anything much with cops or firefighters um, it was definitely a lot of corporate men um mm. and I learned very quickly that I did not like the um, Native American and cowboy uh, genres um, because the Native Americans were often still portrayed as savages, um, right. and you know they were always they were always um, getting involved in interracial relationships with white women, and yes. it, the language was always really bad. And even as a child, I was like, I can't deal with this. Like, this isn't right. Like, you know what's what. And I think it's also interesting that like, we talk so much about the male gaze, mm -hmm. but in romance, I feel like so often what many of us, especially those of us who are a bit older, mm -hmm. were reading, so much of that was a product of a very specific white female gaze. Yes. Yes, um, you talked about the shakes. That's another one that I was like, I can't read this because mm. often it was a white woman, a white blonde woman being kidnapped by yes. this Arab man and he puts her in a harem because of course he has of a course. harem. And of then course. we like to have to see this process of her being waxed and all of her hair removed and like uh. all of this. I was just like, no, I just, 
no. Um, <laughs> so um, he never finished the sentence. Just no. I I did not like any of those. Like I said, right. even as a child, I was just like, this is just too much. So what I mm-hmm. I gravitated to it as a child, um, mostly the historicals, again the paranormals, um, the um, uh, thriller ones. But I did like the ones where, I don't know, a woman went to some tropical island and, you know, got swept up into a, in, an, in a hot island romance kind of thing. Oh, and then, interesting. Yeah, and then you find out that the man that she was in love with, who was, you know, he was out there in the cane fields with uh, the black people, right? And he was out in the sugar cane fields using his machete to cut everything down. But you find out that he actually fucking owns the island or some shit like that, you know? like. Yeah. Hidden billionaire guy. Um. No, nope, no, nope. do not like a hidden billionaire either. No, nope. I like hidden billionaire, but not the obvious billionaire. Like not the right. ones that you already know. And then he's uh-huh. just like throwing his money around, and he's saying, you know, I don't particularly care for those. Um, I love I'll, that you want the billionaire that you have to work for. Yes, <laughs> amazing, amazing, Nicole. Yet again, a new insight. I love it so much. Okay, wow. So my weakness always, always is friends to lovers. I do not like enemies to friends to lovers. I'm just like, take out the enemies. I don't want it. Mm -hmm. I'm not, in my romance novel, I'm not looking for like forced enmity. I'm looking for like intimacy and inside jokes. And I always love when it's like two friends who kind of have a moment and it's because of the timing of these things it's never they realize at the same time one Mm -hmm. person is always in like secret pining mode i love a pining Mm. i love to read a situation in a rom-com when somebody's gaze lingers but the other one doesn't even see it (laughs) because they're busy looking at the other next like you said the extraneous person who's only there essentially to be a sort of roadblock but there's something for me in that moment of like you know that classic thing of like we're looking out of a window and it's like oh my god it's beautiful and the other person agrees, but is looking at the other person is like, yeah, it is, isn't it? And I'm just like, ah, inject it. <laughs> I think the thing for enemies to lovers that I dislike is that it perpetuates that whole thing of, you know, he's pulling your pigtails. He's mean to you because he likes you so much. And I'm right. like, if he likes me so much, then he can be nice to me. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> like we are not five years old. I don't believe it when we're five. I don't believe it when we're 35. Just yes. stop it. Yes. yes. And to go back to what you were talking about with like um, the internalized male gaze that a lot of um, women authors, female authors have put into romance novels. Yes. I think um, that's when, you know, people try to throw out and dismiss romance novels as just like you just want somebody to take your clothes off and be rough with you and all this kind of stuff. Or they try to liken it to, you know, porn or something. And that's not the case at all. Um, Mm -hmm. What happens is a lot of the things that when romance novels really start to take off in like the late seventies, which is, I talk about this a little bit in the Kindle single that you mentioned, but um, women were still not allowed to really express their desires, even in a romance novel. So what they had to do was, these characters often had to be what we would call now forced or coerced and then you know kind of pushed together in these circumstances that made them realize oh no I actually really love you even though you were Mm -hmm. terrible to me the first time we were together because women weren't allowed to say I I want some sexy shit (laughs) you know and so it has to be forced on me and then I have to grow to love it from the power of his masculinity Um, right but luckily we have, you know, stepped away from that and that now even if you you know, these characters do like something that's a little rough or edgy or whatever, it's mm. done in a very consensual way and they you know, there's talk the the characters talk to each other about it and that yeah. kind of thing. So that people are more aware. You know, people still People who haven't looked at romance novels or even ever read one still want right. to call them bodice rippers or bring up I fucking know. Fabio. I know. I never knowingly picked up a Fabio-like cover book. I just didn't. Like, no. even when I was reading, like, you know, you mentioned about loving the historical stuff. I was, I would say, very comfortably obsessed with Regency romances. Mm-hmm. And, you know, grew up in the UK. So there is a lot of regency romance out Mm -hmm. in the world like of different levels the kind where it's all like very kind of like you know fluttering the fans to kind of like full-on like wait rakes were doing it back in the day shit Mm -hmm. i guess they were like there's a (laughs) bunch of stuff and i feel like when i would read those it always made me kind of like 
it was so interesting to me to kind of see again modern women writing olden days women where mm. a woman would still like every so often it would still shock me when a woman was open about wanting sex i'd be like oh my god but in that time that must have been dangerous or whatever and like again so much and this is something we're going to get to but like so much of the enjoyment of romance novels for me anyway comes down to the skill of the author right and i think i will follow a well-written story anyway even when i'm thinking to myself that's ridiculous but there are moments that I'm kind of like, I don't care. Like, this story is so engaging. These characters are so well drawn. Like, the author clearly knows who these people are. And so even when you think, this doesn't seem correct for 1892, <laughs> you can still kind of be like, yeah, but I'm into it. Or like, you know, and that, yeah. that for me is a real test of something where I'm kind of like, this might be a situation of like, this happened once in the real, like, you know, as source material this sure happened once but it wasn't common but by the end of the book you're like i bet this happened all the time even when you know it didn't and mm -hmm. i feel like that's like the thing that a lot of people who like you said haven't read romance novels or have this outdated idea of it have about stories like it's always oh, so simple it's just this and i'm like no like everything formula does not negate creativity like you can do so much right i will wear down that some of the best action that I have ever read comes from those thriller and suspense romance novels mm -hmm. and that they are the ones that should be adapted and on screen oh my God, instead yes. of like a million Jack Ryans or whatever his name is. Whatever like, the all, hell his yeah, name is. All that yes. kind of stuff. Because the way that these women, for the most part, because I mostly read women, um, write these books and they are able to fold in drama espionage mm -hmm. romance yes. sex yes <laughs> and just some good old ass kicking you know right. they do it in such a way that i am reading i will read this book in a single sitting you know right and, and just, you won't even and at the end of it you think to yourself wow that ticked literally every box yes But like there is something to be said just for like the elevation that can occur within a very strict formula. Like for me, that is the place where I always kind of just think, wow, I'm marveling at a very specific talent. And like a few years ago, I interviewed uh, the best-selling author, Alyssa Cole. Mm -hmm. It's great. Um, I love her work. She is. I'm so I'm so in love with her stuff. But she said this thing about, you know, like she's a you know, she's incredibly interested in history, like loves to kind of she loves to delve in there she was saying when when i spoke to her she was like yeah i used to kind of live on the internet like in uh, tanahasi coates uh into uh, his comment section on the atlantic and whenever he'd bring up something i'd go and do that research i'd follow up like he and he often came back and would update something or something he'd read so like for her it was kind of like a really short and like concise education about certain things and she said, but every time the question that was on the back of her mind and she goes, you know, I think it's a question that many romance writers have. It's kind of like whatever event is in this historical event that is unfolding at the back of her mind. Alyssa was always like, hmm, what if people were kissing? And I love that so much as like a foundational question to kind of be like, you know, even in war at the worst possible times for humanity someone somewhere was like man i really like the cut of that person's jib and yes. like off they went like people were doing it all through time that's how any of us are still here yes and i love that question so sometimes when i'm watching like a really serious documentary on tv i have Alyssa's question just pop in my head where i'm just kind of like what if they were kissing <laughs> i also like the one where okay they had a one night stand and then they realize that they have to work together um some kind oh. of way like they don't know each other right they just have this one night stand and then some yes. time passes of course they've thought about each other because the one night stand was so hot but right, then, right. yeah you know but then they like walk into office and oh mm -hmm. snap it's that guy oh no it's that girl you know aka I love the gray's anatomy defense look love I it love it um <laughs> okay um, the one I mentioned before were like, oh, I need romance lessons so this other person can find me attractive. Can you teach uh -huh. me? And then they end up together. Uh -huh, um, uh -huh. And then, of course, for my supernatural paranormal stuff, it's, uh, uh -huh. you know, I'm a feisty supernatural being. Maybe, you know, called a half-breed in the book, which is problematic, but whatever. Uh -huh, um, uh -huh. You know, but I'm also the most powerful of my kind. And so I uh -huh. go on this quest and I have this mentor with me and you know even though we are uh you know 
enemies, our species, our enemies or whatever, there's still something between us. And so we have to learn to work together in order to fight the big bad of the universe. Uh huh. So some kind of hybrid love affair. That's yes. your shit. Yes. I see. I, 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 see. I love it. I love it. Like if there's a, a vampire hunter and a vampire, not quite like Buffy, but you know, like uh-huh. something like that. I, I want that. Or there's like a vampire and a werewolf. Just give it all to me. I, I want it. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I want it all. I Amazing. just need all of it just like mixed together and. I especially love when there's like somebody who is a who can control the weather or something and so when they get together and they have sex then like there's a storm that happens because (laughs) (laughs) because everything is so powerful and i'm gonna tell i'm gonna tell you a secret it's because that's how i feel like my sex is i feel like my sex is so powerful that i can just like that you change the weather yes Yes. Wow. You know what? <laughs> Cut me off a slice of your confidence. I want to put that in my back pocket and just take it with me throughout my day. That's amazing. You're out yes. here confessing storm fantasies about yourself. You think you are Aurora Monroe and I love it. <laughs> That's how it feels when it gets really good. It feels like okay. I can control. All right. That's like enough out of you, young lighting. lady. You know, I stop, stop making the gestures. Just stop. Look at you. You're pink in the face. Amazing. (laughs) To this day, if there is a romance novel that does not have a sex scene in it, I am disappointed and I take a star off for my little (laughs) review, which I I know is not fair because a lot of people out there don't necessarily want an explicit sex scene. And I, lots of people. Yeah. And I, I want to honor and respect that, that some people just really want to read about the romance part of it and the sex stuff doesn't mean anything to them. But for me, I <laughs> me myself personally yes and it doesn't even have to be explicit it doesn't no, have to be no. you know um you know a lot of cursing or even you know using slang terms for the anatomy um mm-hmm. like it doesn't have to be all of that but I need to I need to see or at least read the intimacy and see it in my mind you I, know? I, I I feel exactly this we're in exactly the same boat I feel like for many people yes that is not a requirement Mm -hmm. like it's very much a case of just kind of like you know the journey and like oh these people and i i love that part of romance novels too but i've got to say like there are times when i you know it's like looking at the progress bar and i'm like we are almost at the end when are they gonna do it yes and i find myself like looking at the remainder of the pages like there isn't enough time for you to set up a sex scene fam and i need one like i just need it to happen and like Every so often, when especially when there's like just the one scene and it's towards the end, and then it's like ever so slightly disappointing because I'm like, man, I waited the whole book for that. Like, mm-hmm, give me more. Mm-hmm. And again, not looking necessarily for explicit, but like you said, I think I need it as a sort of, um, I don't know. Like I, I think back to you know, again, no one ever explicitly saying, but like me having an understanding that sex only happened in marriage yes. and in these books they didn't mm-hmm. and that always made me kind of feel like ooh, i'm reading something you know exciting slash forbidden right mm-hmm. like and that always kind of meant something to me and i feel like yeah you know sometimes I, I i said this on twitter a while ago maybe a few years ago that some of the best romance novels i'd read actually were kind of like uh fake they were fanfic mm-hmm um, that I hadn't paid any money for and I, I wanted to kind of like send the writers of my favorite fix like tell me where your bank I will pay you the equivalent of a paperback novel because I love so much fic partly because again there are all these there's just there's so much care taken yeah with these characters and then again so I mean I think back to some of the sex scenes I used to read in these books when I was younger and it was like oh my god we have come so far from mm-hmm. some of the stuff like when there was lots of euphemism for like various <laughs> anatomy and now it's just like no straight up like it's it's his this it's there that it's yeah. there that and i'm like oh thank god but yeah. when i was younger there was a lot of kind of like you know smoothness and hardness and a lot of kind of like tenderness mm-hmm. and it was like cool 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 what exactly like i literally can't follow this sex scene because i don't know what the hardness is i don't know what the softness is like <laughs> what are we doing here like but now i think to myself god the language itself has evolved in such ways and like again words that used to be kind of like 
I suppose kind of offensive slurs Mm -hmm. now get used in a way that is kind of like, huh, language is really relaxed in a way that I can see and that I can feel that I'm kind of like, oh, wow, like that word would never come. I remember the first time I read like the F word Mm -hmm. in in a book, like in specifically inside a a scene that was them doing it. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know, we could call it that now. Like, oh, things have changed. Like this wasn't the romance novels I read growing up. No one ever said they were going to fuck someone. Right. So when I was reading romance novels as a kid and a teenager, anytime somebody cursed, it was never mentioned in the book. It was, he said a word that would have burned her ears, you know, like it was something like that. Um, But as I've gotten older and obviously more people are, you know, breaking away from these kinds of restrictions, they are saying, Uh you know, and he said, fuck, when, you know, he touched her and whatever, whatever. Right, 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 right. I really appreciate that. Um, Another thing that I've noticed as this current wave of rom-coms is hitting the romance um, genre, uh-huh. they're, all, they're mirroring the film rom-coms, right? In its way that they, the couples only have sex once in the books. Yes, yes. Um, Because, uh, you know, as much as we love rom-coms, they aren't very explicit at all for the most part. They're very chaste. They yes. maybe kiss. Yes to once they get reunited or once they confess their loves for each other their love for each other and then that's kind of it we get a fade to black uh romance scene it's not Mm -hmm. until it you know we get more of the r-rated stuff that that's when we start getting actual like sex scenes in these movies Mm -hmm. but even then it's Mm -hmm. still just like the one sex scene that's usually played for laughs some kind of way um so in these books that's what i'm noticing as well that our um they get together one time, then they have like a falling out and then they get back together at the end and everything is all good. Um, but they still have like very, they're still very affectionate, physically affectionate with each other, but they just uh-huh. don't have sex more than once that we see. And I'm just like, you know, I, again, I'm not trying to be a voyeur. I'm not trying to like, <laughs> get, Aren't all, you? <laughs> get all like, you know, I'm really not trying to get my rocks off when I'm reading a romance but mm-hmm. I feel like that's when things get um less realistic for me and maybe I should right. not be looking for re- you know reality in a romance novel or any piece of fiction but it does take me away because I feel like when you get into a relationship and it's new regardless mm-hmm. of if it's exclusive or you're just like in the quote-unquote talking stage you're having a lot of sex for the most part. Like, <laughs> like you're getting together, you're going to dinner, you're having your little cute date, and then you're coming back to each other's place and you're taking each other's clothes off and rocking your world. So I would like to see that reflected more honestly in the contemporary rom-coms that are happening right now. You know, I think about the ways that romance novels have changed over the years because um you mentioned something about the way that um you know the white women were portraying themselves basically Mm -hmm. in these books and so i remember as a kid reading them and seeing the way the writers would describe the heroines Mm -hmm. with these impossible figures for their body dimensions that didn't make sense yeah somebody would be 510 and weigh 120 pounds like that's you know and they're trying to show that they're model-esque or whatever and a lot of times they would say something um they would describe the women as boyish um and like these men were so who you know used to love a voluptuous figure now Mm -hmm. are suddenly in love with this woman who is very flat-chested and doesn't have a waist and she has boyish Mm -hmm. hips and stuff like that and again people are shaped like that women are shaped like that i'm not i don't have a problem with that but it was such a wish fulfillment for the writer because i would then i would see these descriptions of the heroine and flip to the back because back then most of the books would have the author on the back cover Mm -hmm. and she would not look like the way that she was you know the heroine was being described not to say that you know the heroine should look like the person writing but it was just very much like do you know anybody who actually looks like this because a 510 woman that's 120 pounds i don't eh, what's, what's what's happening here 
Yeah. Um, and so now I'm seeing a lot more realistic shapes and figures of yes. heroines. Um, yes. You know, there are a lot more that are being described as curvy or mm-hmm. plus size or something mm-hmm. like that. And I recently interviewed Rebecca Weatherspoon. I um, love Rebecca's book. Yes, I do too. And she talks about that. She was like, you know, in my friend group, all of us wear glasses, but we don't often see characters in romance novels who are wearing Speak glasses. on it, Rebecca. So she writes people in who wear glasses just like on, on a regular basis and they're not going to take them off in order to be pretty, right? Because Nicole, they're pretty with my the glasses. Life. All my <laughs> life I had to fight. I read romance novels where I was kind of like, does everyone just have perfect vision? Because a bitch needs glasses. Like, I can't. I cannot see shit beyond however many meters and I need I need my representation and to bring up the cliche representation matters and I remember <laughs> reading stories where the woman wore glasses and one of the hottest things I ever read in a romance novel was when the guy offered he was like can I take these off and I was like you can take everything off sir like this is <laughs> I remember reading that paragraph and I was like yes because that's like, what happens because I wear glasses exactly. right um, and you know I wear contacts when I'm like out in public but at home I'm in my glasses but that's what happens when you're with your boo and y'all are getting ready to kiss and suddenly you know your glasses got face oil all on them Listen. And, you're like, and he goes can I take these off yes you may put them right there on the table face <laughs> up so that my glasses <laughs> don't get scratched thank please you please and thank you <laughs> Um, I'm going to name some of my favorite authors and maybe for our listeners out there, if they haven't read these people, they can go out and check them out from their library or whatever. Um, We talked about Alyssa Cole and Rebecca Weatherspoon. Obviously, it's Beverly Jenkins, um, Julie Garwood, Lisa Claypass who I love Lisa Clay Pass she's so good so good um if you're interested in paranormal stuff I love Rochelle Mead Janine Frost uh LA Banks and um of course Charlene Harris who wrote The True Blood Sookie House. Yeah, I love those books me too um Holly Trent uh there's another series by an author named Jay Wells that I really enjoy um for thrillers, like I mentioned, uh, Nora Roberts, Sandra Brown, um, Lisa Jackson, uh, Heather Graham, not the actor. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks for the clarification. <laughs> um, yeah, those are some people that I that I really enjoy um, reading their books. And I don't know what I would do if I was not able to read a romance novel. Like, Oof, I... Yep. I'm at a point now in my life where I can read two, two to three books at a time, which I really don't enjoy, but just because of the nature of what I have to do, I have to read more than one book at a time. And there's always going to be a romance novel in that group of books that I'm reading because mm-hmm. there's just, I just get so much pleasure from them. Right. So kind of copy Nicole a little bit. I'm going to just mention a couple of names. She mentioned a few people that I love already. Um, Alyssa Cole will read literally anything. One of the books I really recommend is the one that she wrote that is uh, centered around like the Freedom Rides. Again, you want to out here thinking about, hmm, I wonder if, and it's like, no, Alyssa's thought about it. What if people were kissing? And you're like, yeah, all right, come on, civil rights, do it. So I love Alyssa Cole's books. I will read everything she publishes. I really love Talia Hibbert. I've mentioned her. She has like a short story that you can read um, that's on topic. So if you don't want to buy one of her books just yet, you want to kind of trial the goods, go read her Christmas romance on that. But also I urge you to just put the kin- put the money on your Kindle, your whatever reader you have, and just get a tally of books. She's fantastic. I love Jasmine Guillory. Just really, really solid kind of like rom-com, again, with heroines that feel like real people uh, as opposed to kind of like composites of like desirable traits. I really love that. And again, women who are not all, you know, skinny, light-skinned black girls like it's all other colors and i'm proud of it i'm really glad um who else do i really love lisa claypass of course courtney milan love her stuff really love her stuff so reach out to these people and the good thing is if you follow these writers on twitter you will find recommendations in their own twitter so like that for me has been like the best way like if my favorite author likes you i'm gonna give you a try right and then you know i've read a couple where i'm kind of like 
I guess we're not aligned on this one. But for the most part, the recommendations are on point and I kind of find myself finding new new books that way. So I can't recommend those people enough. If we have any more, we'll put them up on our Twitter so you can kind of get yourself a little first reading list going. Um, but Nicole, I'm so glad we got to kind of sit and wax lyrical about romance novels. So am I. I love romance novels so much. I can talk about them all the time. Look, um, <laughs> if there are any publishing industry giants out there, hey. give, give me an imprint and I will help you with romance acquisitions. Manifest that's, that shit. Manifest you know, it. If that's Nicole what is your girl. She will do it. She's not joking. She has the chops. If, if we're, you know, if everybody's still trying to make sure that the publishing industry is inclusive and it's not just a little trend um, while the protests are still happening, Ooh. come holler at me and I will help you acquire romance novels of various, various genres, okay, and, and different authors. I got you. Damn, I am so excited for this week's fanfic wars. <laughs> Nicole, I don't know if I'm excited, but I know there is like a there's a tight fist just sitting in my chest. And I'm just kind of like, is that my heart? I don't know. Because romance novels mean so much to both of us. Yes. Yes. And we are not professional romance novel writers. No. We're just very avid fans. Um, at this stage anyway. Perhaps there's a romance in our future. Um, she said begging the universe to please throw a romance contract her way mm. um <laughs> ditto universe I, ditto <laughs> <laughs> so i'm excited to hear your travel this week because i don't know which of the many wonderful gorgeous beautiful tropes from romance novels that you have zeroed in on and i'm excited to see where you've gone and how you've handled it and yeah this is me talking too much because i'm very excited <laughs> um do you want me to say which one i chose or just go into it and then I'll say I after. Feel like, I feel like, tell me before. I want to okay. get into the headspace. Okay. So I chose <laughs> the one where um, they meet on vacation. They have a little fling. And when they come back to their real world, they realize, oh, shit. You know, like they there's like a job interview or something happens where they connect. And they're like, oh, this uh, is the person that I, you know. Love it. Love it. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. Let me, let me take a sip of big water like big water and then begin nicole uh and also i just want to make sh make sure that people are aware that this is just a random name in here i'm not focusing on any particular celebrity or anything <laughs> it's just good point because i also have gone down that road i just I, yeah this is like a real departure for me not to mary sue myself yes <laughs> okay <clears throat> i was ready for this I just come back from an incredible two week vacation. My ruby brown tan made me feel invincible. Like I still had the sun under my skin, which was buzzing with confidence and memories. As I pressed the elevator button, I had a quick flash of Simon, the guy I'd met on vacation and his hand as he reached forward to press my, the elevator arrived and I shook the memory from my head. The mirrored walls inside reflected my goofy grin back at me and I tried to get my face under control. The trip back to Rome had been exactly what I needed, a way to prepare for this pitch by clearing my head and getting a little strange without worrying about how to get rid of him later. Oh my and God. Simon, God, he'd been so good. We had some tourist adventures together, but out of all the incredible meals, the feeling of the wind in my face as I sat behind him on his scooter, the breathtaking sights of the ancient ruins, I think what I'll remember most is the sound of his knocking against my door late at night. As the elevator door opened on the floor I needed, I cleared my throat and gave myself a little pep talk. Playtime, no matter how delicious it was, was over. I needed to focus on this pitch that could put me in some of Hollywood's most exclusive rooms. I was early, but I didn't mind. I refused to play on my phone, so I admired my pedicure as I repeated my pitch inside my head. I wiggled my toes and again, a vision of Simon, his mouth against the curve of my foot appeared. I could almost hear his laughter again as I closed my eyes to dwell in the memory. Then I realized it wasn't inside my head. It was coming down the hall at me. There he was, Simon, Mr. Vacation Sex Mouth. 
He was chatting with a couple of other people who were all headed right for me. I heard him say, my uncle couldn't make it today, so I'll be here to listen to. Then he raised his head and saw me. He stopped for a second, long enough for his colleagues to look for the reason he'd interrupted himself. The vacation sun inside me turned cold before blazing back to life in a comet of embarrassment. And then he smiled. It was the same smile he gave me when he knew his cheesy but sweet pickup line had worked at the hotel bar. Oh God, I'm in trouble. Hey! <laughs> Come on, <laughs> Simon! <laughs> Mr. Vacation Sex Mouth! <laughs> what a beauty! <laughs> wow, thanks, Nicole. Woo. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Now I want to go on holiday too. Oh, <laughs> boo! Ooh wee! Yeah, what a tr- what a treat! Thanks, Nicole. Thank you. Um, well, what treat do you have in store for us? <laughs> nice segue, <laughs> real nice. Oh, smooth. Um, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, like butter. <laughs> um, I went for one of my favorite things, which is kind of like friends slash coworkers and something has happened to change things Mm, uh 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 and they're now on a slightly kind of uh, uneven footing because one of my favorite tropes of all time is always friends to lovers love it it's just okay it just Mm -hmm. it gives me so much Mm -hmm. you know because then we have like the ease of like friendship and banter and then it just kind of like you know it's like a nice foundation i love that shit so like you i i've actually i've actually gone for no names oh okay Right, and I did something that I don't normally do, which is I've not written in first person for oh. because you know right because I was like romance novel. It's you know, sometimes it's like self narrated, other times yeah. it's just like she and he mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. he and he or they and she or whatever. Okay. So I wanted to kind of have that kind of anonymous feel to it. So I hope you like this. Okay. okay, change things up. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks for the encouragement. <laughs> Nobody will hype you up like a black woman. Let's do it. Let's go. Okay. All right. <clears throat> it was sitting there, innocently enough, the next morning, as usual. Nothing had changed for that cup of coffee. It came from the cafe a few blocks away from the office, and it was iced with a dash of oat milk and precisely two generous pours of simple syrup. Exactly how she liked it. It sat now, sweating condensation onto the little coaster she insisted on using, much to her co-worker's amusement. Well, he'd never laughed at her for using a coaster at work. No, he laughed only at her jokes, even when they were just barely funny. But he never laughed at her. So the coffee on the desk meant things were still okay, right? That nothing had been so drastically changed that they couldn't go back to normal. Yes, that's what it meant. She raised herself on the arms of her chair, tensing them as her head swiveled to check if he was at his desk. She could see his dark head bent over his computer, as usual. He was always early, but not in that showy way of the brown noser. He was just a diligent guy. It's what had made her like him in the first place. And then they'd actually become friends, despite her general belief that she had enough friends. They became real friends who hung out away from work, They saw movies, they went to the occasional gig, they shared recipes, they'd even met various family members from time to time. She sank back down into her seat, chewed her lip. One of them had to say something. She checked her phone for a text from him, but there were only messages from her other best friend, asking what she was going to do. She shook her head and took another sip of coffee, this time for fortitude, and stood up. Hey, she started when she got to his desk. And then he looked up, and her resolve to sweep past this thing crumbled. Hmm. His warm brown eyes, curious behind those slightly round spectacles of his, a small smile curving his lips. He looked like he'd been waiting for her to come around. At her hesitation, he wheeled his chair back a little so he could look back at her properly. In the widening silence, he smiled. I'm not sorry about what happened yesterday, he said quietly. Ugh, she loved how discreet he always was. (laughs) So if you're here to say it shouldn't happen again, I'm going to have to protest. Vigorously. His tone was teasing, but she could tell he was serious. We should talk about it, he continued, and I know we will, but I just want you to know, I don't regret it. Well, this was unexpected. 
A few more beats of silence, and then she cleared her throat, ineffectually. Okay, Ben, she choked out and began backing away from his desk, but then she was stopped short by his voice. Lunch? He asked, and his voice sounded sure and strong. She bit back the smile that threatened to take over her whole face. Yes, she said. We'll talk at lunch. <laughs> Clearing the desks off. Clearing the desks off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. It's a good week yet again. We are in our Drabble bag. <laughs> yeah, I really need a cigarette. Like, I don't even smoke cigarettes, but I, really, I was like, wow. I'm still sweating from yours, so this feels like a nice fair exchange. This is oh, good. Oh, boy. Man. All right. So, listeners, listen. <laughs> you don't even have to gas us because we're pretty gassed about our own fucking efforts. But <laughs> you have the option to vote for your favorite Drabble because that's what Fanpick Wars is nominally about. That We pitch two different stories and then you guys pick which one you know most moves you mm -hmm. so you have two options there is uh the trope of you know the holiday lay that comes back <laughs> in a strong wind or there is the friends who maybe did something that they can't come back from in the office it's great so those are your two options we're going to put a poll out on our twitter which is at first aid kit and we like to let you you know sit with it for a, a full 24 hours and then we put out the poll and you get to vote on your favorite um and as we say every single week but we mean it there are literally no losers here everybody wins because you have two drabbles and you get to just let your mind wander down whatever path it takes you <sighs> yes all of that <laughs> Thursday Kit is a Slate production produced by Cher Vincent and us, Nicole Perkins and Bim Adewunmi. Our music is by Tanya Morgan. You can follow the show on Twitter at Thirst Aid Kit, and we're also on Tumblr at thirstaidkitpodcast.tumblr.com. If you send us an ask, we may answer it. You can live tweet your listen whenever a new episode drops. Join our other Thirst Buckets every Thursday or any other time by using the hashtag TACPOD. That's T-A-K-P-O-D. Or you could write us an email at thirstaidkit at slate.com if you prefer. If you want to use our Thirst Sommelier service, just send us a short, and we mean no longer than a minute, voice note via email at thirstaidkit at slate.com. You can find all of our episodes and links to listen at slate.com slash podcast. If you find yourself wishing you could get even more Thursday content every week, well, now you can. All you have to do is become a Slate Plus member. Slate Plus is Slate's membership program. For just $35 for the first year, you'll get a little extra from this show and all other Slate shows, plus absolutely no ads. Visit slate.com slash plus to sign up. Okay, guys, that's it. Take care of yourselves. Stay away from crowds. Wear your mask. Wash your hands and save lives. Stay thirsty. Bye. Bye. So if you're here to say it shouldn't happen again, I'm going to have to protest vigorously. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Bitch. This quarantine got a system. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>